So many people come into a job or come into a new situation very centered around themselves, right? And a lot of that has to do, you know, potentially with insecurity or maybe it's a little bit narcissistic. But there's so much about self that I see, especially with young or more inexperienced people in a new position. And I think that um, a lot of that's a barrier or, or, or protection that they may be showing that self-centeredness. And so I think there needs to be empathy and trust built so that you can bring those walls down because you won't get the best out of somebody until those walls come down. Mm-hmm. And then when you're able to bring those walls down and there's a trusting environment, you're going to see people shine like you've never seen them shine before. Hello and welcome. This is Leanne Mallory, and I am the host of Rise Leaders Radio, the podcast that you're listening to right now. And the focus of the podcast is really on exemplary leadership, those kinds of leaders that are very conscious in the way that they lead their organizations and in leaving things better than they found them. I'm really excited today because I'm, I'm speaking with a former client of mine. Treg Manning is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Airbus Helicopters North America. He's been in this position for about 11 years, and we worked together about five years ago when he hit a really significant bump in the road, one that he actually describes as um, a crisis of confidence. Or when he called me, he said, I've lost my confidence. So we did some work together and Treg is a formidable leader. He's six foot four. He's a former football player and he has the body that reflects that. But he also has a huge heart and a ton of humility And you'll hear as you listen to our conversation that his way of leading has resulted in a very loyal and high-performing team. So his team has been able to secure over 50% of market share for helicopters, and that's no small feat. They've been together for a long time, and they just keep getting better and better. As you're listening to this podcast today, Treg is going to tell us about a very vulnerable time um, in his career. This was when we first started working together, how he dealt with it and why he dealt with it the way that he did. He talks about what it takes to be a good leader in his view. He shares his values or some of his values with us. And then in the second half of the conversation, he talks about his love for horseback riding and the benefits that he has seen in that. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I certainly did. I was a little hesitant about asking a former client to be on. He was not hesitant. He accepted readily. So enjoy the podcast. If you want to reach out to me, you can get in touch at www.rise-leaders.com forward slash contact. I hope you enjoy the episode. Treg Manning, thank you so much for being here today. Our work together 
all those years ago, particularly the period of time and the event that we're going to be really focused on today still stands today for me as one of the most as one of the most amazing examples of leadership and vulnerability that I have witnessed even to date. And sometimes I'll be working with someone and I'll tee up this idea of doing what you did and not many people take the bait. So just so that you know, it it was really an amazing period of time and uh, you're just such an exemplar of an open-hearted, open-hearted leader. And I've been hesitant to invite you on the podcast to talk about this because It was such a vulnerable time, and I would characterize what was happening at that time as, and and you spoke about it too, as kind of a crisis of confidence. So, it was a real turning point, I think, in your leadership career, you know, just what was happening at that time. And so, thank you for being willing. I was hesitant, but you were not. You said, let's do it. (laughs) So, thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that goes a lot to uh, my trust of you. And I, I think that has a lot to do with the work that we we got to know each other and I trusted you, but I needed to trust you because uh, I, I was really in a tough spot. And like you said, I, I, confidence is, a, is probably the right word. I, I had lost it and um, I needed to trust someone to, to and, and ask for help to get me in a place to where I could lead effectively a very powerful team. It's full of very strong personalities, you know. Yes, for sure. For sure. So let's talk about that. Just for the listeners, say a little bit about what you do at Airbus, what your team, and you guys have been really successful. So brag a little bit. <laughs> uh, well, I, I lead the sales and marketing team for Airbus helicopters in North America. Helicopter sales in general is a very complex industry because it's uh, highly segmented. So there's many different types of customers from private business, uh, high net worth individuals to uh, law enforcement, to air medical, to tour operators, to entrepreneurs. Uh, so you, you kind of go across the, the gamut of industries and personalities. So the type of people that, that are successful in sales are people that are very good with other people. They're very confident. They're outgoing. They're um, you know extroverted, uh, highly intelligent. And most of them have experience flying helicopters or maintaining helicopters. And a lot of that experience they get from the military. So diverse backgrounds. And the team that uh, I've worked with for so long has been very successful. We've been able to uh, enjoy over 50% market shares for the um, you know the 11 years that I've been doing this with them. And I can tell you that uh, we've seen great success the last several years during the probably the most challenging times I've ever seen in my career. And I've been doing this in this industry for over 25 years. And I would say the last five years has been uh, enormously challenging with different oil and gas crises. We've had economic up and downs. And then, you know, we had the uh, the COVID pandemic that we've all been living through. So all of those changes have really created a scenario for us to be challenged more than we ever have. And I can tell you, the team has really stepped up. I would say last year was one of our, our most successful years ever. Well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I know that a lot of the team that I worked with 
when we would do group sessions are still together. And they're an amazing group of human beings. Like you said, very intelligent, technically adept, know their business, know their customers. It was just a really very high functioning team, even with all this stuff that was going on. Right. There, were, there was a commitment to each other. So let's talk a little bit about, I think, Treg, it was the end of 2016. Does that time period sound right? All right. Yes. And so I had done a session with the executive committee, right? a full day session in November. And then I get this call from you in mid to late December, which was kind of the white flag, I need some help. And what was going on with your team at that time? At a high level, I know that yeah. the details are probably fuzzy now, but there was there were some big shifts that were taking place that had really resulted in what you said, I've lost my confidence. And just the fact that you said that let me know that I was working with someone who is going to be open and be willing to say, this isn't working. What I'm doing isn't working. Well, you know, I, I had... Uh... I would say four leaders that worked with me um, that uh, were my directors. And those relationships are very, very important. And every one of those leaders very, very close to me. And we had some turbulence within the that core group of individuals where I would say trust was violated. And that was painful and disappointing. And it, it led to a series of unfortunate decisions that had to be made to change uh, certain certain personnel and etc in addition to that another leader you know experienced a very significant medical emergency during that December holiday time frame where I mean he literally had a heart attack and was resuscitated which obviously when you work so closely with individuals that, that was a um, that was one that I carried a lot of guilt because we were pushing so hard at that time to make the results at the end of the year and and to, to hit our targets. And I felt a lot of responsibility there as well because I was pushing. So And this was, was a was young guy. Hard. This is a young um, guy yeah. too, right? I would say he was young and that it should not have happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. <You> know? <laughs> right. All of that was very eye-opening and um incredibly stressful. And uh, I literally said, wow, what have I done to miss this or to have facilitated or, you know, to have gotten myself here? I didn't know. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how that happened. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, that's where I was. Yeah. And so we decided then that we would do interviews. So I interviewed everyone on your team and some of the questions were about you specifically And then some of the questions were about the team functioning, all of those kinds of kind of broader issues. And we came together, I think it was in February. And the plan was that I collected all of the information, I summarized it, and I read it back to you first so that we could decide what direction do we want to go from here. And what we decided to do is that I would read the positive comments about Treg. I've made a PowerPoint and that you would stand up or that you would talk about the constructive feedback. Some people call that negative, but it was more on the lines of like, what's not working? And so, we met in a hotel 
And one of the first things that you said that you wanted to do was arrange the chairs in a circle rather than having people at tables or anything. Do you remember wanting that? Do you remember that being important to you? I do. I remember you know, a little bit of the anxiety that I had going into that team because of with what had occurred, you know, it had an impact on everybody. And because I was not confident or I felt a big loss of confidence that I, I was nervous to be in front of them. And I could not picture myself at the head of a classroom, right? Uh, where I was projecting to a bunch of people stand, you know, sitting down looking at me. I could not picture putting myself in that position um, and that that would go well or <laughs> command any type of respect. You know, I didn't want that. I felt the circle, it made it to where it was inclusive for everyone and that put us all on the same level. Yeah. So it removes all you know, hierarchies kind of. It's what I was thinking and felt most comfortable being that way. Yeah, I, it was it was perfect. And so we kicked off the meeting. We did our things. I read, you know, the positive comments about you. And then I just handed the remote over to you because we were running the PowerPoint. And I said, and Treg is going to read your constructive criticism. And you stood up and I think I will always remember because I was sitting next to you and you stood up and let me just give people a picture here. How tall are you? I'm six, four. <laughs> yes. So you're a big guy, you're a commanding presence and you stood up and you just took a, like a big, deep breath and you walked through however many slides there were that listed out areas for improvement or things that weren't working. And it was so quiet in that room. Do you remember how quiet it was? I mean, it was just, it was so quiet. And after you presented everything, you said, and I agree with everything you said. Yeah. And I just felt the tension just, on one hand, it kind of just, there was a big exhale, but then there was also kind of this um, shifting in people's seats, like, okay, so now what? And again, such a huge show of vulnerability. I'm going to stop now and ask what you remember from that period of time. And even like the conversations that happened right after that, what, what stands out to you from that day, from that moment? I remember thinking that this team has never been a team to hold back. Uh, they'll be very vocal about things that they don't like, but it's usually not personal, right? It's usually not directed at an individual. It's usually directed at an organization or a policy or, or, or an environmental you know, topic because there is a lot of respect. So to get the feedback that is personal feedback, I felt um, that I was a little bit surprised because I didn't, know if they would feel comfortable enough to do that. And clearly they, they did. And then I felt that as I read it, they were going to be afraid. Uh, he knows it's me. I must, he knows I said this, or he knows I said that. And that fear would create a, not what we wanted. You know, we yeah. didn't want that fear to be in the way. Plus I know these individuals so well, I didn't know who said what, but 
the feedback was was real and it it, it was sincere and uh, because the feedback was personal there's no way for it not to be sincere so it has to be true and I knew if I could let them know that I was listening and I accepted their feedback that we could at least start from there mm-hmm. and uh, and try to rebuild what I want you know with the team and that is us all working in the in the right same direction and not worried about you know leadership dysfunctioning <laughs> you know yeah well and I I remember that there was after that conversation there was there were some questions and I think people just settled in after that because there had been so much tension before that time because there had right. been so much change and the health challenges and all of that right that people just settled in um, and so they started asking they wanted more information like they wanted the scoop on what had happened with people leaving leaving the organization etc and there are just some things legally that you just can't share because it's against the law really to do that. And you had, after a few folks pushed, one of your guys pulled you aside after this and said, they want to know more and it's none of our business. Sometimes, and this was an ex-military guy. And he said, you know, one thing I learned is that sometimes the leader gives an order and we just follow there's no questions asked. And this is one of those times. And I thought that that was very mature of him just to say, move forward, Treg. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still a very important part of our team. Uh, But yeah, like I said, former Lieutenant Colonel in the Marines. Yeah. He was very good about saying, look, we just need to salute and move on. Right. And and so don't worry about it. You don't owe us an answer. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. And that leadership that he exhibited, I think, was really significant because I, I think that message from him to the other team members resonated. Mm-hmm. So we were able to move on. This is um, sometimes when I'm coaching leaders, and sometimes I'll say, you just have to decide, and this isn't going to be a consensus and move on. Sometimes it's not a consensus. And that's sometimes people are, are surprised to hear that from me that I would say, sometimes leaders make demands and that's what your job is. And I'm curious, Treg, we can just hear a lot about your philosophy of leadership just by listening to this story. But I wonder if you are mentoring or coaching someone to be a good leader, how would you describe a good leader? What, what is that in your eyes? Well, I think there's three ingredients that are critical. One is humility. I would say two is hunger. You have to be hungry for winning or hungry for what you are there to do. Uh, so you have to want it, right? And then the third thing is you once you know what your target is, you've got to fight and be passionate the entire time. And I think if you have those three ingredients, you know, starting with humility, humility is number one, followed by, you know, the, the hunger and the passion, people will follow. They will mm-hmm. follow because those are traits that the, that are respectful and contagious at yep. the same time. So there's a balance, though, <laughs> that the team has to know that you're going to make a decision and that you're going to stick by a decision. And if that means holding uh, accountable individuals that um, need to be held accountable, you're going to do that. There is a balance of you can be 
humble and hungry and passionate, but you also have to administer. You know, you have mm. to have that skill set to administer and manage. It's not all just charging the windmill. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, those are the balances, I think, that are successful, a good mix of ingredients. Yeah. So while we're on a topic like this, when I was looking through our documents of working together, I ran across your work around values. And I sent that to you. And I actually didn't remember that we had spent a lot of time on that, but the values were really clear. And when I asked you about them this morning before we got on the Zoom, got on our call, you said those are still true for you. And I don't think you need to describe them, but would you mind just listing what you think, how you talked about your values five or six years ago and where they are now? I remember when we did that, and that was an important piece because you have to articulate what you value. And and that's not something that, I, at least that I, I had normally done. But, you know, when you started thinking about, especially when you go through a period of time where there is um, a breach of trust, which is what had occurred on the team. Honesty and truth telling and truth hearing, you know, was at the top of the list for me. And I think when reflecting on that specific one, you know, honesty is hard. It is, it is not easy and it should not be taken for granted because in order to be honest, you know, with someone else, you have to be honest with yourself first. If you're not, then you may never truly communicate who you really are. And so, this is important to be honest and to tell the truth to your team, <laughs> as well as to hear the truth uh, from your team. And I, I just remember that one was, I was very passionate about that because of you know, what had happened is a betrayal. And, uh, and betrayal is all about the opposite of those things. Mm -hmm. So, and if you have the ability to do that, well, respect is going to be there automatically. And so, that's another value is to respect yourself, respect others, respect the people that you're working with. And when you have those two ingredients, that'll drive authentic communication. And that'll be a part of your everyday working mm. environment is because people know they're allowed to say what they're feeling, even if it's not popular. And I'll tell you today, I have two very strong leaders that work for me. And uh, both of them know that they're allowed to tell me how they feel. And it can be painful. I mean, it can be painful to hear what they have to say sometimes. And, and uh, I remember that I gave them permission to do that. Even in those days where I don't want to hear what they have to say, because it sometimes their their truth is uh, is painful. But because of that, the loyalty that they have to the organization and that we have towards each other is probably the strongest of any environment organization I've ever been a part of. You know, even going back to high school football, and you know, when you play as a team, um, I experience that today with the team that I have probably more so than any other team that I've been upon. So those are, I think those are all in the, the value buckets there. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. And that's so many of the organizations that I work with will 
kind of harken back to a sports team. And there's that video of the San Antonio Spurs, a beautiful game. And they do the interviews about Popovich and the players and all that. And it's really, that's what people strive for. And it sounds like, Treg, that you've built that. And the skill on a basketball court, there's different skills. But in your world, it is the communication, the authenticity, the respect for each other and the loyalty that that breeds that then you all can kind of do the quote, no look pass, you know, that you're, you're right. on the same page with each other all the time. Right. No, I, yeah. th- I would say that that is true indeed. Uh, and so when we run into challenges, the creativity for solutions is there. The honest truth comes out, which facilitates many times the best solution to a problem. And that's something I've learned is if you have this environment, then so many other things will happen that you don't have control over. <laughs> that are good, you know. <laughs> right. The um, positive surprises. Yeah. The things that you yes. weren't planning will happen. Yes. Yeah. So I'd like to take a little turn here because one thing that I know that you're passionate about outside of work and that started happening right, I think, as we were finishing up is that you got into horseback riding. Now, there are people who are experts in leadership and horsemanship. And they do workshops. And horses are great because, you know, as the experts will say, horses have no agenda. You know, they are responding to your presence and how you're showing up. But that's not how you got into doing work with horses. You got into it because your wife was, you know, just going crazy with doing work with horses. And so you joined her and it's now a big part of your life. And when I when I asked you about this a couple of months ago, you said, it's even spiritual working with horses. So tell us what this time in your life, in this interest in horses, what's that done for you? First of all, I would say the iconic image of a cowboy is something <laughs> I think that is in all of us. I really do. I think what it means to be an American cowboy to this country is has special meanings. So I think, you know, deep down, if you were really, to be honest with yourself, I think everybody has a little bit of that in them, you know, where they would like to be that cowboy, right? <laughs> which, which I would have to admit, I, I, as a kid, I wanted to be a cowboy and all that, but I certainly didn't grow up in it. And so to venture into the horseman world in your 50s, it's a little bit challenging. Clearly, my wife, uh, she was riding horses and was taking lessons and was enjoying it, I could see what a difference it was making in her. So I started kind of going with her. And next thing you know, I'm riding a horse that's not mine. And, um, <laughs> and oh, by the way, I bought her a horse for her birthday. And um, I saw how her that relationship that she had with her horse was amazing. So I I said, I'm going to have to do this. Well, now I, I own three horses now. Um, <laughs> my, my wife still has one and I have three, which is kind of funny, but um, they are probably the most intuitive you know, animal I've ever been around. When you ride a horse, you're entrusting that horse with your life, but that horse is also entrusting their life to you. And they are a prey animal. They're not a predator. They're a prey animal. So their instinct is to be in a herd and to run from danger. So when you're riding a horse, especially on the trail and in the wilderness, 
and you're taking them into an area that they are not familiar with and you're not within a herd, they literally are entrusting their life to you. And Hmm. if they trust you, if they trust you, they will do it, which is an amazing experience, but you have to earn their trust. And I'm not talking, you know, push button horses that you ride when you go on vacation. These are horses that are yours. You're not on a trail. You're out, you know, in the, in a wilderness. And it's an amazing experience. And it is spiritual because you are communicating with this incredible being that is massive and that could, at any time they wanted to, they could kill you. That's something that I never understood until you're around them. They choose to be your partner, but they're completely honest with you. My my point is, is if you don't lead well, uh, they'll let you know and they'll start (laughs) leading themselves, you know? (laughs) So how would you instruct someone on how to build a trusting relationship with a horse? I mean, how did you do that? It, It starts with respect and not taking the animal for granted. When I first got on, on a horse, I was reflecting off of what I had seen on TV and, you know, they, they leave out all the part about connecting with the animal. You know, you just get on and ride and you think everything's going to go well. Well, the first few times I rode, it did not go well. I mean, to the point where I was, I was not very comfortable. I was scared. So listening to the trainer and listening to the coach, you know, you, you have to build a bond with that horse and they will test you early on. And you have to be ready for the test. You have to expect that they're going to test you. And then you have to respond in the positive way so that they respect you as a leader, but not respond too harshly. You know, you you cannot be emotional, right? Mm -hmm. You have to Mm -hmm. be very professional and, and respectful in that relationship. So you only respond, you know, with, uh, cues that would be, you know, say negative cues appropriately you know you can't over respond so it's it's really a balance to me it's been the probably the best thing i've ever done in my life in terms of i would say making me a better person making me a better husband making me a better father and probably even uh has it helped me in my role uh at work i would say it's not even probably it's guaranteed it's helped me in my role at work and i'll also say another thing uh it's given me balance between work and life. And you and I have talked about that before. And honestly, that's probably the most important thing the horses have done has given me balance. And that's enabled me to be even better at work is because I'm not 100% on work all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So, what I'm hearing, Treg, is that like any hobby, that if you pick something up that you really love it, that it will help bring balance into your life because you you don't have 100% of your focus on work. So that's one part of it. But I would say too that you have to be paying attention to what you're learning on the horse and not think of it as a transaction. Like you said, you think I'm just going to get on this horse and ride it, but there's a lot that goes into that and that the connection is first, and then how you respond to the horse when it pushes back. And it's making me think of this whole model of reactive or creative leadership. And so, when you get into a reactive space, it seems like, or if you did, 
that the relationship with the horse would kind of take on a downward spiral there, that you would get yourself in a pickle or in a tight spot if you were just constantly reacting to the horse and the horse would react to you and it would probably not end well. You're exactly right. I have an example. So I have a you know really big black horse. He's my first horse and I call him my heart horse. And he's fairly young. He's about seven, eight years old, which is young for a horse. And he's uh, doesn't have a lot of experience in the wilderness. So I fell off of him one time when a deer jumped out from underneath, a baby deer jumped out from underneath this tree and it scared him half to death. And he went, you know, one way and I went the other because uh, he reacted so quickly to that deer. Well, he knew he had made a mistake and he knew, oh, that was just a baby deer. What was I doing? You know, and I knew him so well that I knew that I was not going to be mad at him at all because I knew he felt bad. And what happened was I hit the ground. Luckily, it didn't hurt. But I hit the ground and um, and immediately he turned around and came right back to me mm-hmm. and put his head down. I mean, literally said, oh, I am so sorry. I, I made a mistake. But I could have gotten on to him. I could have been really mean to him. I could have been angry. And my, my wife told me she was riding with us and she said, I think that's probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen because mm. you got up worried about him. He turned around worried about you. And she said, I could see the bond between you two because I knew he didn't mean to do that. I knew he just got startled by a little deer. He wasn't, he'd never seen one before. And um, I was worried about him. <laughs> so anyway, you know, it's a good example of that. As I'm listening to this, I'm remembering that you had a more full list of values that you didn't speak to completely. And one of them, it's a generosity and graciousness. Yes. Uh And that feels like generosity and graciousness right there. And we're talking about a horse here and your relationship with the horse. I don't think it's different. And this is why they do so much training with leaders and horses because your way of being in the world is your way of being with the horse. And the horse knows that. And so the fact that the horses trust you, that you have this relationship says so much about how you lead your team as well with that same generosity and and graciousness and all of the other things that we mentioned as well. I totally agree with you there. And, And that's why I think it's, it's spiritual in that they know who you are. They do. They know who you are. You are an open book to them and they can read you immediately. It's the most, it's the most incredible thing. And, and you do feel very vulnerable. The relationship with a horse forces you to uh, look at yourself. It does. Yeah. Forces. I think you have to come to the relationship with really clean energy and a clean yes. intent or else they figure you out. Absolutely. No, no, <laughs> no question about it. Yeah. No question about it. Yes. <laughs> so, Treg, these are the main things that I wanted to talk about today. And I can imagine that folks listening right now, their heart is open, just listening to you. I wanted you to say how tall you are because you're, you're a big guy. You can be an imposing figure. And, and yet, your way of, of leading, and I would suspect it's the way that you lead your team, the way you lead your horse, the way you lead in your family. 
aren't different. We're the same person everywhere that we go. And so I'm very appreciative of this. And I wonder if there's anything else that you think that we should talk about that you would want to say about just imagine that there are young and up and coming leaders out there. Any advice that you would want to give or anything that you want to say before we close out here today? Yeah, I would say one of the things that I think is very important is empathy. We, we, you know, we talked about that a little bit, but empathy, so many people come into uh, a job or come into a, a new situation very centered around themselves, right? And a lot of that has to do, you know, potentially with insecurity or maybe it is, um, maybe it's a little bit narcissistic, uh, but there's so much about self that I see, especially with young or more inexperienced people in a new position. And I think that um, a lot of that's a barrier or a protection that they may be showing that self-centeredness. And so I think there needs to be empathy and trust built so that you can bring those walls down because you won't get the best out of somebody until those walls come down. Mm-hmm. And then when you're able to bring those walls down and there's a trusting environment, you're going to see people shine like you've never seen them shine before. As a leader, I think it's, you have to be conscious of that and you have to provide a, an environment to allow vulnerability. Hmm. And as we started off our conversation today, you modeling that is also really key. There was never one time, Treg, that we had a conversation where you said, where you either argued or you said, I'm not doing that. (laughs) No, you're wrong. I mean, it was just our time together was just when I think of our time together, it's characterized by really open heartedness on your part. You're willing to try things that were probably uncomfortable at the time, but you did it because you were committed to your craft. You're committed to your team, to your vision, all of that. You put all of that first before your ego. I will have to admit, Leanne, you were easy to trust, but there were a few times where I was like, oh man, this is going to be hard. (laughs) I have to say. Good. (laughs) But the intent was always the right intent. And I think that was important going into the work. You know, we both had an aligned intent around what we were trying to accomplish. And it was hard at times, but I would say the reward is well worth the journey. And uh, I'm still you know, I would say reaping the benefits of that time that we work together, for sure. Well, as a a coach, this is what I do for a living. That is, there's no words that I would rather hear than it was sticky, you know, and that you're, it's still living with you. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, Treg, thank you so much for making this so easy for being willing to put yourself out there and just, you know, share these stories with folks out there listening. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Leanne. I really have enjoyed it. I can't believe that uh, so much time has passed. It seems like yesterday, and I, um, I've enjoyed it reliving uh, that time in, in our history and our relationship, too. Thank Fantastic. You. Thank you. Well, I'll have to admit that that is the highlight of my week. I'm recording this on Friday, and I just cannot imagine a better way to end the week than with that kind of conversation with a former client like Treg. He is just absolutely outstanding, and my heart is full. And I'm just wondering, I wish I was sitting with you right now, 
talking about, you know, what your takeaways for the episode were. So here's a request that I have. If you liked the episode today, it really does help out if you like or comment on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to. And I want to let you know as well that my episodes are now up on YouTube under Rise Leaders. And if you want to have a conversation with me about this episode or any episode, that might be the easiest way to do it. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed the episode today. And remember to elevate your part of the world. Take good care.